Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 121 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Marico. Jacob, you know what we need today? To get a technical team to help us out with this podcast occasionally? Correct, and therefore, we need a short pod. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It's been 20 minutes of trying to figure out a computer, you and would, we're just struggling. Sometimes you, we just struggle. I don't know why. It's been 121 episodes, yeah, and you, we know nothing. You, yeah, you would think over two years doing this, we would kind of have an idea how to work the equipment, you but would, you would be wrong. We, we do not. So we're going to get into um, a bunch of things today because we took a couple weeks off, so let's talk about what is happening in the world. Yeah, it's been pretty uneventful the past couple <laughs> yeah, of weeks. Yeah, that's so. it. Pop culture, it just waited for us. So first off, we have to mention, obviously, that um, comedy Kamala Harris is um, Joe Biden's choice for vice president. That's been an interesting thing. Um, at 55, she is the first black woman and first person of Indian descent to be nominated for a national office by a major party and only the fourth woman in U.S. history to be chosen for a presidential ticket. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, so... A little, little sad it's only four after all this time, but, you know, what are you going to do? You can only go forward, I, I guess. Yeah, I have to say, I'm a, I'm a fan of women, so I'd like I, that. I so, would hope so. I'm, I am, too. Regardless of how you feel, it is at least... Um, it's an interesting first, and I have some other interesting firsts with women throughout the years. You want right. to hear some? Let's do it. In 1647, we have Margaret Brent. She was the first American woman to demand the right to vote. Oh. Way back. All right, good for her. Visionary, really. It took a while. Yeah, I mean, it didn't work right away. (laughs) It sure sure didn't. Um, I love this. Well, I did this one specifically for you. I know you'll appreciate it. 1649. Oh, oh, my favorite year, of course. Mary Hammond. And good wife Norman, oh. that's the name here, were charged with, quote unquote, lewd behavior upon a bed. They are the first American women convicted of lesbian activity. Oh, well, g- g- good for you guys, I guess, as well. <laughs> probably wasn't. It was probably a really bad time for them in 1649. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is, you know, good for them and everything. Like, I hope it worked out well for them in the long run. I'm sure it didn't. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't totally end up burning at a stake or something, whatever they used to do back then. 1776, Margaret Corbin was the first woman to assume the role of a soldier in the American Revolution and receive a pension for it. Oh, that's pretty impressive. I wonder how she worked that. That's super impressive. This one I just thought was fascinating that they know this. 1840, Dorothy, Dorothy Catherine Draper was the first woman to be photographed. How, yeah, how would they? I guess it's the first known photo that has a woman in it. They're like, here's all the photos. It's one of my my favorite memes online. It's like, here's a photo of the first ever camera. It's like, who took the picture? Yeah, that's true. Um, 1972, we're jumping up here. Tony Nathan, she was the first woman in America to receive an electoral vote in a presidential election. Oh. It was slowly beginning. 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman on the United States Supreme Court. Um, 1987, Aretha Franklin, she's the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh. Um, As we probably remember, more modern times here, 2007, Nancy Pelosi is the first female Speaker of the House of Representatives. She is currently the highest ranking woman politician in American history. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Um, and then I like in 2017, Vanessa O'Brien became the first woman to summit K2, the second tallest mountain at 28,251 feet. That seems late, right? It does seem really late. But then I've seen the movie about K2. And uh, aside Crazy from, mountain. Yeah. Aside from being a terrible movie, it made that mountain look something like I do not want to ever yeah. climb. So there's some first. So this is, it's at least something for the history books, regardless of how it works out. So that's happening. Do you know what else is happening that I liked a lot? Uh, I no. probably followed this story even more than the Kamala sh- Harris. I shudder to think. According to a local Virginia news station, actor Dennis Quaid oh, okay. has adopted a black cat from the Lynchburg Humane Society who is also named Dennis Quaid. Re- really? So the shelter's website, you know, they put all these cats up and they put this six-year-old male cat up and they were like, he just wants a life of endless movie marathons. And it said, I may not live up to my dramatic and artistic actor namesake. I'd rather watch his movies with you curled up on the couch. And someone pointed it out to Dennis Quaid and he was like, oh yeah, totally. He's like, I couldn't resist. So he was like, it was really off the wall. I couldn't resist. I had to. I'm out to save all the Dennis Quaid's of the world. <laughs> what a low bar. If you're like, I just want to live to the great heights of the career of Dennis Quaid. <laughs> it's a six-year-old cat. He's fine with that. Well, That's I, pretty ambitious for I, a cat. You know what I love? I love if the cat was like, you know, I'm more of a Randy guy, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch The Rookie anymore. I'm kind of over it. But I think Dennis Quaid, who randomly, I believe, has a podcast now. I know well, you're, you're running to it. But um, he was like, yeah, this might be a thing for shelters, like, in areas where celebrities live, like name them after them and maybe they'll feel compelled to get their namesake. Okay, Dennis Quaid. Like That's that what you story. think. <laughs> you here's a, here's a story I don't understand and maybe you can help me work through it. I'm very good at that. I just saw that it was announced that Diana, a musical about Princess Diana, will premiere on Netflix ahead of its Broadway opening in 2021. Hmm. Why is there a Diana musical? Uh, I shudder to think, and I don't even want to know how they're going to end that thing. It's got to, it got to go before, when she's like, oh, I'm going to go for a ride now. I I'll guess. see you later, and children. It's just real <laughs> sad, and then yeah. they do. I don't. And they I play just... cra- Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jacob. Oh, I'm sorry. Too, you are tasteless. Too soon? I'm sorry. It's not that it's <laughs> too soon. It's still yuck. You're yucks. Hey, blame and the you British. Know, this, Don't blame me. I didn't This dr- next chaser. pop culture fact, I got just for you. Okay. And I was going to be really sensitive to you because I think it might mean something. And I made that Diana joke. Yeah, you should be ashamed. <laughs> but cocoon actor Wilford Brimley died at 85. Oh, that is sad. I was bummed out to hear that. I feel like I feel like you used to bring him up a lot. I still do bring I, him up. I mean, I do. I have a special clip just for you. Oh, here we go. Hi, I'm Wilford Brimley, and I've had diabetes for about 20 years. If you have diabetes, you check your blood sugar, and you check it off, and there's no reason not to. Oh, Wilford Brimley, I miss that dude already. Miss, we miss How the are we ever going to know what to do about diabetes? I, I mean, think, we're not now. You know what I find sad? Kids in the future are not going to get that joke when everybody's like, I got me some diabetes. <laughs> He's also <laughs> the star of the thing. He also, I just feel like was one of those people that looked really old. Oh my God. Like, I can't remember what Andrew just told me the other day. I swear, I have to look it up. It, it, it was something like when he was in Cocoon, mm-hmm. he was like 55 or something like 
crazy young. You know what? You were right because he looks like one of those dudes that came out of the womb yeah, at like, like 85. It's just always old. So I, that was the thing. I, I, of course, as you know, watch terrible movies. So I was randomly watching Hard Target like two weeks ago and he right. does like the best worst uh Cajun accent in there. Oh, I can, like if you try I to imagine, imagine him doing an accent with Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> oh, it's oh my God. Mm. Fantastic. All right, R.I.P. Wilfred. Um, also interesting things. I don't know how I felt about this. So AMC theaters are to reopen locations on August 20th. So that's in a hot minute. Yeah, it's a couple with of days a, away. With a one-day-only 15-cent movie tickets. They reported this one day after the U.S. reported the highest number of deaths in a single day from the coronavirus. And then they were like... Ba-ba, we're in phase yeah. one of reopening movie theaters. So it's movies in 2020 at 1920 prices. Yeah. That's so, that's the bit. So And it will um, see I, more than 100 American-based cinemas, which are going to be offering this 15-cent movie ticket. I do not see, need to see Sonic the Hedgehog that badly that I need to go. Not for 15 cents. Fi- pay 15 cents to catch a virus in the middle of this whole that's, thing. Like, it's, it's nuts. It seems a little crazy. It's only for this one day. It's just for August 20th. So I'm like, oh, way to try to like also just slam the theater full of people. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we're doing it for a month so you can slowly trickle in or something. It's like this one day. I, so. I said it before. I just don't get how you can just be so unable to hang out with yourself. That everybody is just so clamoring to go out and get sick right now. They're like whining about getting stuff open. I love being are still home. Sick. I think. It's, I, I mean, I don't want movie theaters to die out. That'll be a bummer. So no, after but. August twentieth, they are bringing certain movies back to theaters, and they're doing like five dollar movie tickets. So like Inception, Black Panther, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, things like that. But, they're going to bring back. So we'll I'm sure Big we'll Lebowski see. will be on that list. They always go with the big ones. They know are going to draw people in. Yeah. So, okay, more things. I'm sorry, there's just so many things that were happening this while we were gone that I love. good stuff. Like, I, I, it's good to know there's actual events happening in the world. Well, this event is super cool, and I'm sad that I didn't get to be a part of it. The oh. last blockbuster on the planet. Oh, I heard about this. Is now an Airbnb. <laughs> what, yeah, what do you mean you can experience? You can still head up to, where is it, Alaska, right? Um... No. So if, oh. yes, it's in uh, Bend, Oregon. Oh, there you go. You can go to Oregon. Yeah. I mean, not right now. It's to not. anyone who's ever dreamed of spending a night in a Blockbuster video store where you could like stuff your face with candy. You oh, could make my a, God. You could make yourself like a little a little fort out of VHX boxes. You could make little, like Bruce Willis all make little helmets out of the popcorn boxes. And uh, you can, and of course, nobody will eat snow caps because they are disgusting. And I'm not candy. a, I'm not a fan, but yeah, so this is the last standing blockbuster in the world in Oregon. It's going to open its doors for three one night stays. This will take place on September 18th, 19th and 20th for up to four people per night. I'm not going to lie, and unsurprisingly, the spots are already taken. Uh, yeah, I can You got to be fast with that. But the listing indicates that there is a sofa bed and an air mattress that nice. will be provided, so you don't have to you know, sleep on a bookshelf. Um, and they haven't said if they're going to offer additional nights in the future, but they're definitely saying this is like a 20th year celebration as opposed to a new way of doing business. Yeah. I so. like the idea that we can run around Blockbuster like in career opportunities and just try out any movie we want. Like go find Mi- <laughs> yeah. Miami Connection Ninja 3. Let's go and have a good time back here. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Um Today is mostly like a hodgepodge episode. Yeah, Michelle, Michelle put me in charge of 
deciding what we were going to do this week, and I sort of flaked on into the last minute. Oh, so you stop. You're going to make stuff up. You're precious. Mostly, though, it's that we're watching a lot of things at home. There's obviously not a ton of new things yeah. <laughs> coming to 15 cent theaters, but there have been some interesting trailers I want to talk about. Did you watch the one for The Devil All the Time? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, so this is filmmaker Antonio Campos. He made this for Netflix, and it's based on novelist Donald Ray Pollock's 2011 family saga of the same name. And this cast is pretty wild. We've got Bill Skarsgård, Jason Clark, who I really like, um, Sebastian Stan. He's oh, one of your Marvel okay. people, right? He is. He's uh, the Winter Soldier. Mia Wyakowski, Robert Pattinson, and Tom Holland. So oh. we got a couple... Wow, like three yeah, a lot of, lot superheroes. Three mo- yeah, three superheroes and a bunch of big actors on the rise there. So Yeah, so the trailer, I recommend everyone check it out. It's like a multi-strand narrative set between the end of World War II and the beginning of America's involvement in the Vietnam War. Um, and then has kind of this motley group of character whose lives all seem to intersect. You've got Holland. He plays the central role of a troubled young man. And then Robert Pattinson plays this preacher and looks like there's going to be some drama. I also, I really like Tom Holland as an actor. I have not seen him in Spider-Man, so I'll leave that okay, out. Well, but I really, I was obsessed so. with him in that impossible movie when he was just a kid. This is his first like, movie, wasn't it? And I was like, oh, that guy's going to be a thing because he's fantastic. So I'm excited to see him in, in a drama that's a little more my speed. He's making a couple more like serious movies now, which I think is the right move for him. I think it's point. definitely the right move. So that's The Devil All the Time. This is going to premiere on Netflix on September 16th. So nice. I check out the trailer. And just while you're checking out trailers, can you watch that weird Ridley Scott Android oh. sci-fi series Raised by Wolves? I am beyond the moon excited for that thing like i don't know what it's going to be and i'm sure it's going to be boring boring as sin for most <laughs> yeah, of it but probably. man i i just the high concept that really scott's going to bust it out. was it was weird so this drops on hbo max on september 3rd and it seems to maybe introduce us to a group of humans on an alien planet mm-hmm. that are cared for by an android yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All the probably par- like a lot more than she seems, and this is like some far future. Humanity is attempting to colonize space after Earth has been destroyed in a huge war, so it's probably based on reality. Yeah. And then set in the far future of 2022. Yeah, so that looked it was definitely kind of mysterious. I wasn't sure exactly what was happening in the trailer, but you I know mean, we've got robots. They're learning how to protect their young. This is sci-fi Ridley Scott, everybody. There's one thing this dude does know how to do. It's make a good sci-fi flick. Yeah, I would say if anyone anyone really liked his more recent Alien sequels, like Prometheus, it seemed like... Covenant and stuff like that. Yeah, a Prometheus crossed with like Resident Evil or something. It looked really creepy. Which I actually would not be shocked if like this goes on in the same world because I'm pretty sure Blade Runner and Aliens and stuff happen in the same universe. So I'd be very curious to see if they continue. Oh, do they really? They're all Ridley Scott stuff. Yeah. So he said there's like little hints between the two, like the Wayland Utani Corporation are in both. And yeah, there's some fun little stuff if you look back in the Ridley Scott verse. Yeah, I mean, I like him. I did not like the newest Alien Covenant. Covenant? I really didn't. People had problems with that. I love Prometheus, though, and people hate that movie, and I love it. I really hope he gets to make that third and final one, the one that bridges the gap between Yeah, then maybe I can forgive the second one. Um, And then another trailer that (laughs) people you have to watch, Um, the Charlie Kaufman, our favorite weirdo (laughs) writer-director, is releasing this 
I mean, he's always been releasing kind of existential brain teasers, I feel like, most of his films, where you're like, what's yeah, happening? Being John Malkovich. complete weirdness. That's connected in New York, though, I do really hate. Really? That's the that's the Philip Seymour Hoffman one, right? I do. I just remember Andrew and I watching it, and it put us in such a bad mood that we got into a huge fight, <laughs> and we like almost broke up that day. And then we were like, this is because of Schenectady. We're not actually mad at each other. We're mad at the movie. So, But well, I do year, really like Charlie Kaufman. Once a year, you drive to Schenectady and spit on the yeah, sidewalk and then <laughs> just leave. Even though Philip Seymour Hoffman is great in that. But now he has a new show. It's hitting Netflix. Not Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, no. And based on the first trailer, it definitely looks like another gorgeous and surreal dive into the human psyche oh well, i mean it's what he does right I, it is i am waiting for the uh paul giamatti and nicholas cage led uh uh charlie kaufman movie just so i could see the two guys doing an impression of the same guy <laughs> that'd be kind of great this film is titled i'm thinking of ending things oh. and i can assure you from the trailer that it looks just as depressing as the title sounds okay so it's based on a novel by ian reed and it stars jesse buckley um, as a young woman who goes to visit the family of her boyfriend, who's Jesse Plemons, who I like. Uh, he's, oh, man. oh, come on. He's so good. No, everything. no, no. I like Jesse Plemons. I'm like, ah, people with the same name. Gross. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but okay. And then um, it's interesting because it starts where she's kind of talking about how blissful their relationship is, like in her head. And then her tone immediately splits. And she's like, I'm thinking of ending things. So it's really disorienting. And then you kind of meet his parents. Um, Tony Collette is the mom and she seems totally over the top and oh, it's the way that Tony Collette is so good at doing um, so yeah so I think this one this I mean this is going to be one that's going to be really hard to unpack but I like those kinds of shows so this drops on Netflix September 4th I'm thinking of ending things if you like Charlie Kaufman obviously you can't miss it I mean go check it out everybody like this is a Netflix has a bunch of good stuff coming out that'll eventually be here at the library but like just for now they got a really good amount of stuff that's coming out yeah they they really do um Techni and I technically they have the biggest movie of the year in terms of viewership because extraction with Chris Hemsworth is actually like the most viewed movie of the year oh is so it far. my mom watched that because of you talking about it and I think I told you she was not a she's a I'm, big fan no it's not you described all it designed. well though she was like yeah it was pretty much just shooting them up so yeah, it's exactly what I told you I told you what it was gonna be um and I know you're super bummed because you're waiting forever for Mulan to come out mm -hmm. and I don't know how I feel about this so Disney said that it's it's going to come out on Disney Plus on September 4th. Correct. For $30. Yes. So I have to, you have to pay for Disney Plus and then you have to pay $30 to watch the movie? So the good part of this is that you're, you're good to own the movie. Like you're not just buying it for one I time guess, viewing. I guess, but I don't want to own a movie I haven't seen yet. What if I don't like it? Yeah, that is a problem. I get why Disney is doing it and I see it going um, being a model going forward. It does sort of worry me, the precedent that it sets that you're making premium charge movies on a service I'm already paying to watch. Yeah. I'm not too thrilled with that. What I'm hoping for is that this is going to be kind of like a special circumstance like this, Black Widow, maybe some other big name movies. $30 is a lot. It's a lot. I understand Here. when they're like 10 because then I'm like, well, that is the price or even like 12. That's the price of a movie ticket. Well, I think what they're figuring. Here I guess is, this is the price of a family. That's it's exactly way cheaper it. than a family going to the movies. Like even for a family go to the movies, it's going to cost you seventy, eighty bucks, thirty dollars no. to watch it at home. It's like a 
definitely I, a big I deal. I get it. I just don't love it yet. Yeah, I have to wait and see how it goes on. I'm, I'm probably still going to get it. I'm but. just going to watch things for free of, you know, oh. what I subscribe to, which I want to talk about quickly. We're going to talk about a couple other things, but I have to mention some things I'm streaming. They are so on the other end of what I would ever watch. I'm going to preface I'm, I'm with rubbing that. rubbing off on you. Um, Yes, in the weird sense, but no, not in anything that you would watch. <laughs> but my friend called me and she was like, you have to watch these two shows. And I was like, I 100% don't have to watch them. I, they are reality shows and I I oh, detest boy. reality shows unless it's uh, the Great American get or the Great into, British Bake Off or Queer Eye. I knew the floor is lava would get you eventually. I did watch an episode and that's a piece of garbage. <laughs> um, so and like I hate shows like The Bachelor and that's always out and it's just like all these straight white people experiencing love and there's all these like reality dating genres and ugh. but my friend recommended that I check out Indian Matchmaking oh. which is a reality show about Indian arranged marriages. Okay. I'm curious. All right, go on. Um, it's super interesting. It's super interesting to see. So you have this Mumbai-based woman, Seema, and she is like attempting to arrange marriages for this wide variety of young people who live in India and in America. And so she kind of travels back and forth to meet these people. And then she like gathers and shares bio data about like the prospective matches and the show kind of leans heavily more like into a documentary as opposed to I feel like a lot of reality shows feel like game shows. Yeah. And I think it's most interesting because it's such a practice that many uh, as Americans we are unfamiliar with. And especially seeing like young people who are just like Americans being like, I'm sick of dating and not finding the person. So I want this matchmaker to find me someone. And sometimes they get married like really, really quickly. Oh, I can imagine. It's so it's like they don't even really know each other. And I'm just like, I'm fascinated by it. So it's it's interesting, like I said, because it feels kind of more like a documentary about Indian culture. I am curious. I've always kind of been wondering how that works out besides the obvious dowry aspect, which I imagine is less of a thing nowadays. Yeah, they haven't really discussed that at all. And then the other one she recommended to my friend Jen and I was like, I'm never watching this. I'm not interested. But truly 2020 sadness is like just got me <laughs> it's reaching. A, it's a thing. I'm just like reaching anywhere. And that she told me to watch Love on the Spectrum. Oh, but wait In Australian, what? it's like a reality show kind of docu-series that follows a group of single adults on the autism spectrum Oh no! as they explore the dating world. Okay. That so, sounds like offensive a little bit. Okay. And that's kind of what I thought too. And you just, you get like 11 daters and their friends and their family and you're following them in various dating scenarios. They go on like blind dates and speed dating. But... How can I explain it? We spend enough time kind of getting to know each person. Like it doesn't feel like gross and voyeuristic, which is unusual, I think, for dating right. shows. The tone is like it's more curious than patronizing. And it's just really interesting that you're like, wow, you don't even think about everyone is just kind of looking for companionship. Hmm. And something like regardless, and they have a really hard time, obviously. Like a lot of people can't understand their autism, so they have a hard time dating. So they're kind of trying to match where mm. they can understand each other a little better. And I guess what I really love is it really feels like a, ostensibly about love. 
Like well, where I feel like a lot of those love shows don't. They're all just trying to be characters and like be on TV. Well, a lot of those dating shows, yeah, they're about being on TV or they're about having sex is basically all those shows are about, like the majority of them. So. Yeah, this and, and I don't want to like review this in like infantizingly terms. You know what I mean? Like because that like is a disrespect to them. But I kind of can't help it because it feels really pure and honest. And it was the most gratifying watch that I've had in a long time. All right. I'll take your word on that. That sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. There is just something really beautiful about it. It was like people people incapable of lying, trying to find love. Mm. And that's like a whole different thing for what we're used to. Yeah, it's like the main part of falling in love is lying. It's a very important (laughs) part of that. (laughs) That just said so much about Jacob. American is apple pie. That just summed him up. Okay, so a couple things... Um, I recommended last last night that we both watch a movie. You sure did. Because I had to know, again, my friend did recommend this, and I looked it up. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 92% critic score. Which like makes a good perf- movie. Which makes perfect sense. And a 25% audience score. Which also makes perfect sense. Yeah, so when movies do that, I remember like the last one I can really remember was Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. Was oh, man, that like was a that. Like, big one. People hated it and critics loved it, and I ended up really loving it. Yeah, I feel like it's come back around on that one. Yeah, so I had to know, how can it be, how can there be such a gap between it? And as you said, we understand, mm-hmm. I understand both. Yep, 100%. So the movie is called The Assistant. And so we have Jane, who's played by uh, Julia Gardner. Friend of the show. Yeah, you probably, if you watch Ozark, she's uh, Ruth yeah. Langmore, sl- the quick-witted, the, slightly the vulgar. Sta- the new standout on the show, like the new actor. Yes. She is, a, in the movie, she's a recent college graduate and an aspiring film producer, and she just landed her dream job as a junior assistant to a powerful entertainment mogul, which I'm pretty sure they're basing on Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. I mean, think? that's There's the, a, yeah. there a few tech, um, similarities. So what we see in the movie is just her day being an assistant. Mm-hmm. You are just watching her make coffee and order lunch and arrange travel accommodations. She's mostly taking phone messages for half the movie. Lying to a wife. Lying to a wife, but, you know, trying not to. And then as her daily routine kind of continues, she grows increasingly aware that there is definitely like abuse that kind of colors her work day Mm -hmm. with this huge mogul um, and a lot of degradations against women and these clients coming in. Um, Okay, so... The 25% audience score, I think you'd agree, is because nothing really happens in the movie. Not a single thing nothing occurs happens. in the entire hour and a half of this movie. So I want to ask, how did you feel about the movie? Did you like it or did you not like it? Um, I'm torn. I liked the movie when stuff was happening, but very little stuff. Like the HR scene in that movie is very, is excellent. That easily, is an excellent scene. It's easily got- the best scene in the movie. But man, what I wouldn't have given for just even on TV. An explosion of some kind, some kind of action. Well, I have to say, I think the lack of action is what I really liked about it. And I and I can honestly say this might be a film that hits you different as a woman. Uh, I can imagine. It's not you geared know? towards me, that's for You're sure. You're watching these women like go into his office and you hear men making jokes about not sitting on his couch. And you're like, all of this is disgusting because we know what can happen behind mm-hmm. the scenes and how these women are exploited. Um 
But I have to say, for a movie where I mostly watched her answer phones and make sandwiches, her face acting was really good. Like, I felt her angst, her discomfort. And you really, it ends and you're like, oh, I can, you can totally see how Harvey Weinstein got away with this for so long. Absolutely. Because she even tries to speak up. It doesn't work. And she is like, I want this job. Like, I want to move up. Like, you just see that she is torn. Mm Mm-hmm. So much, and then everyone around her is jaded because they've been knowing that this is going on. Yeah, and so, like it's like nothing they can do about it. It's just systemic at that point. It's, yeah, so it was interesting. It's it is on Hulu. If you have Amazon Prime, I think it has a rental fee. But I do I recommend it? I don't even know. I do, I I know it's short. So it is I short. Guess, it was like an hour and a half. Yeah, I came home from like work and then I was like, all right, I'll throw this movie on. And it was over before I knew it. And it was so funny because Jacob texted me and was like, I understand both of those ratings. And I was like, what? How can you understand a really good rating and a really bad rating? And then I watched it and was like, oh, I, I know exactly what he's saying. So if the premise interests you, I, I would check it out. If you like subtlety, if you like it's subtle acting. It's super subtle. Yeah. So this is definitely like Not even a lot of dialogue. No. A lot of time, like stuff that doesn't matter. So much of the plot of this movie is just things that like little menial tasks that don't mean anything to the plot. Do you know what movie it was better than that I think? A movie uh, that uh, no, you told one? me to watch. Oh. <laughs> and I did. I, and I, I hated I you. I feel like we're going to have a disagreement on this one. So that would be Color Out of Space, the <laughs> psychedelic adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's short story from 1927, starring Nicolas Cage with mixing some sci-fi intrigue and I really bursts like, of horror movie excess. I really like that movie, man. There's so much weirdness going on. There's a lot of time dilation. and There oh. is... Nicolas Cage, is he pretending to be Nicolas Cage like I don't even know anymore like what that dude's about I I just I don't know I don't even know either but you know it's this one that was one of those movies where I feel like his ridiculous over-the-top acting kind of injected a little life at parts into that movie. I mean there were parts that thing where he's throwing the fruit in the garbage can I was like crying laughing and I was like is this a serious scene or a joke so what it is is Nicolas Cage is like a a chatty farmer and he's got like a loving wife he's got a pair of mildly rebellious kids and then a meteor crashes in the front yard it shoots this like purple stupid light all over his property and it infects the local water supply with meteor juice you could almost say that it was hit by a color out of space that's what hit the well in the water. Cool, Jacob. (laughs) Super cool. Inexplicably there's alpacas involved in this film yeah that was weird I mean, I guess I guess Nicolas Cage makes it work in a way that no one else can. So if you kind of hate yourself or you find that you agree with Jacob movies more on this show, then you're, watch you know Color Out of Space. I love the idea that like in a month you're going to be like, I found this great show on HBO called Lovecraft Country. And it's something about it was resonate with me and maybe want to go watch. That I Nick do want to watch Lovecraft Country also, you know, even though I've heard co- the reviews are not great. Well, it's the same thing as it's a Lovecraft movie. It's going to be tentacle monster. I know, but it doesn't mean it's going to be It's going to be weird. weird. It's going to be good. Okay, anyway, we are out of time. We did it. Thanks for listening to our just random thoughts today. I like like we do these little hodgepodge pop culture episodes. Sometimes I just need to talk to you. Eventually, we're going to do one where I'm laying on a couch and I'm talking about my 2020 woes. Oh, I get to work. And I need the advice of Jacob. That's 
that's where I'm That's going to be people. our first that's theme show. I, I get to wear spectacles in that one for no reason. All right. Why don't you plug so, us up and let's head out. Everything that you hear on All Booked Up, ladies and gentlemen, is eventually going to be at your local library. We have 37 branches all over Erie County. So stop on by, say what's up. Check the website at www.buffolib.org to make sure that there's no amended hours or anything. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at All Booked Up Pod. And come chat with us on there when, you know, it's we're so busy these days. When we get a chance to, we'll reply to you. I'm not really even good at posting. I'm <laughs> sorry. Okay, just two facts for this random episode. Um, did you know the word quarantine derives from the Venetian dialect of Italian? It's the words um, quaranta in Gironi, meaning 40 days. Mm. And this is because when it was discovered that the ships were infested with plague-carrying rats, they had to sit at anchor outside of Venice City's walls for 40 days. So when you take the um, Quantigioni, it's quarantine. So okay. I thought that was kind of interesting. That is pretty cool. And now we know the I wonder where it comes from. And then I was reading and I was like, oh, this is sad. So there's an American microbiologist, Maurice Ralph Hillman, and he is accredited with developing eight of the 14 routine vaccination used today. Nice. He he developed um, measles, mumps, hepatitis A and B, chicken pox, meningitis, pneumonia, um, and hemophilia influenza. I was like, here is our man. Has he come up with it? And he died in 2005. Yeah. Hit by a car. Didn't see that coming. I don't know if that's true or not. I just thought it would go nicely with the idea. That you're just the worst person. You can ruin anything. Anyway, that is our back show. To the beginning of the episode. Thank you so much <laughs> for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.